Hey Rosies, Betty here. Vivian and I have had a busy couple of weeks, so we weren't able to record an episode. But given recent events, we could not let this time pass without releasing something. So this is an episode from February of 2020. It's about home abortions. And we want to put in a disclaimer. We in no way condone operating at home on yourself. This is merely to point out the kind of dyers that women were in before Roe v. Wade. If you or someone you know needs help, we do have some resources in the show notes. And we'll be posting more resources when we find them. Raise hell. from a hair salon now. Hi! 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 <laughs> this is so different. It is We're different. doing so many different things this year this already. This is a lot of fun. I very much enjoy this. It also makes me very aware of my roots. Um, <laughs> You're pregnant. You're allowed to have roots. I know. But, like, yeah. So when I found out I was pregnant, I decided to get my hair done so that I wouldn't have to touch it. But it's just, there's so much red that I still have to get it done again. <laughs> well, like, that's the problem with getting red hair, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, Look like, at mine. Well, I'm getting the red out of it. I have, I have blue hair, and yeah. that is not a natural color. I was just saying, uh, the blue <laughs> looks like it was purposely done with the roots, whereas mine is just like, oh, she's just gray. Um. <laughs> well, I don't see gray. But I'm also short. Maybe that's a good thing to have I, short friends. I should have short friends. That makes more sense. <laughs> well, okay. I think you look cute. Oh, thank you, darling. Okay, well, we are broadcasting from Bishop's Hair Salon in Clintonville, Ohio, in Columbus, uh, for the Red Tent Hair Revival uh, with Tickles and Pokes. Hi! It's for a great, great, great cause, and uh, they are taking donations. By the time this comes out, unfortunately, that may be over, but that doesn't mean you can't still help them out. Right. Look at look up Tickles and Pokes. Uh, and we are broadcasting live, so you can Hi. still uh, come down and see. So if you are watching this, come down to come Bishop's down. and donate a uh, full pad, unused, obviously. Please don't donate used um, pads and tampons because that's yeah. gross. Um, please don't do that. We don't want that. <laughs> but, yeah, donate. Um, you and can do, donate pads. You can donate tampons. tampons. And you'll get $10 to Bishops to get your hair cut or colored. I mean, that's totally That's worth a deal. It. Yeah, it's an absolute deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, doesn't have to be name brand, even. No? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Don't buy name brand. It's all the same. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, it is. I did the research. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And it's probably cleaner for you. Right. That's right. You get more money to get your hair done on, you know, than what you spend if you right. go if you go generic. So, done and done. Done and done. So, we're going to go ahead and do yours first because right. you're so excited and I know you I'm very like, excited. So, um, 
we wanted to do something that was very um, uh, reproductive forward uh, because of obviously the theme of today. Um, and so I'm really excited for this one. Uh, I'm calling her the vaginal vigilante. <laughs> I love her very much. Uh, she's been arrested for what she's done and she's got an amazing story. I love that. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm going to be talking today about Carol Downer. Carol and if you've Downer. never heard of Carol Downer, then you really should look her up. Um, I got the inspiration for this episode from one of my favorite podcasts called um, Science Versus. Love Science Versus. I do too. And they did an entire interview with this woman. She's amazing. Her story is amazing. I looked up more about her. She's, I, I think I've heard this Science probably Versus. probably heard this Science Versus. She's so great. She's yes. so great. So, um, Carol Downer, uh, we're just going to kind of hop into it. We're not going to go into her childhood like we normally do because her story starts when she was 30. Wow. All right. Cool. In 1963, Carol was 30 years old. She had four children. Her marriage was falling apart and she found herself pregnant again. Uh Uh-oh. So, she talked to a friend of a friend and found a man who performed abortions. She stripped down. He scraped out her cervix. Oh. And she could heal it, hear it. She could feel it. There was no anesthetic, anything like that. And when she got home, she went straight to bed and slept until the following day. Um, upon her waking up, she remembers being uh, just grateful to be alive because she really thought she was going to die. Because in the 60s, that it was more of a chance you were going to die during that procedure than anything else. Sure. Um, she was instructed... Uh, by the doctor, the man who performed her abortion, to call a week later um, to follow up with him a week later. When she did, he said, okay, now pull the gauze out from you. Like, do it yourself. Well, she didn't even know he had stuffed her full of gauze. Oh, dear. So he instructed her to do that. I'm not going to go into detail on that. She goes into detail on that on um, Science Versus, but all together, it was a horrifying experience for her. Um, she went on to get married again to have two more children, uh, but she was never she she never left that that you know terrible experience that she had had behind her. And then she also thought a lot about what was going on with the women around her and the horror stories that they had heard, um, just like of all the back alley abortions, of all the um, all of the uh, sexual assault that was happening to women that were going in to have these much needed. Uh, procedures done that uh, the the death rate of these women and she's like most of the men performing these procedures aren't even doctors oh like the ones that did because she always assumed like it's a doctor that you know sets up a second second clinic and you would hope but it's not oh my most of the people that are doing these aren't even doctors she she gets it in her head she starts to do um uh abortion activism and she gets in her head like we as women we can do this ourselves like we don't need to go to some back alley thing where our lives are in danger where we could be hurt where we could you know we can do this ourselves so she decides to um she she gets kind of like a internship with a uh an abortion clinic like an illegal abortion clinic and she goes to watch this man um hold on I know most of this just, like, by heart because I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> Andy did bullet points. I did. Um, so, in the early 70s, she joined the L.A. chapter of NOW's Abortion Committee, where she met Harvey Carmen, 
Um, Mr. Carmen was an unlicensed in the medical field, but performed in an illegal clinic. Um, unlike what had been done to her, which was the scraping technique, which was what most they, oh. they were mostly using at the time. It just he sounds used, gross and he bad. He used a suction technique, which essentially just... Exactly. It, it, um, and I'll go a little further into it, not too much. I don't want to... Since we're live, I'm going to try to keep it a little light. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so essentially... And this was a much less traumatic, much less painful um, experience than, than what she had gone through. So, uh, so during her time uh, kind of shadowing this man as he was performing in this uh, clinic, she uh, studied under him, and then she decided that she would take a speculum. Spe- yeah, speculum. Yeah. And she decided that she was going to teach herself how to perform a pelvic exam on herself. I mean, so what she, better person than yourself? Right, right. So she learned how to do her own pelvic exams. Um, then she decided to... Um, she organized, her and others organized the Los Angeles Abortion Task Force, and they called a meeting on April 7th of 1971 at a feminist bookstore to educate women on abortions and how to, you know, perform this procedure. Um, and so she realized that there were over two dozen women that showed up to this, um, to this meeting at this bookstore. And as she's telling them about it, they're going white in the face. They're freaked out. Um, they're all interested, but they're like nervous about it. Like, what is going on? And then she realizes we've been taught to never look at ourselves ever. So she gets up on the table, hikes up her long skirt, and performs a self examination for all of these women to see. Yeah. <laughs> so she just like, I'm just gonna show them. And they were. Enlightened, like she, a light bulb went off. All of these women, what they had experienced their entire life was, you don't touch it. That's for your boyfriend. That's for your doctor. Your doctor would be condescending if you asked any questions about your anatomy. You were taught not to understand your own anatomy. So it hit her. They don't need to just hear about abortions. They need to hear about their own bodies and their own physical health. So she took this literal show on the road. And they went across, so that fall, the fall of 1971, um, oh, and also, I'm sorry, the result of this first meeting of the self-help clinic um, was the development of the concept of the menstrual extraction. So they called it the menstrual extraction. It was a suction tool to remove the period. It was actually an abortion product that women could perform on themselves. It would be helpful to have other women help them. But essentially, it just pulled their their menstruation out of them. And they used this term to try to keep it hidden. Mm. Um, so the uh, extraction kit uh, called the Dell M was created by uh, Lorraine Rothman. So Lorraine Rothman and Carol Downer they take the show on the road. They're going across the U.S. They're teaching women about their bodies and about their health and how to take their own health into their own hands. And this is revolutionary. And I go into this a lot all the time on the podcast. Women's bodies weren't studied until the last century. Yeah, they weren't. We, they, they, they were seen as... Our medicine is so far behind men's medicine because they refuse to touch our bodies. Yeah. 
Um, and those who did have, you know, uh, studies done in them were normally um, minority women and women that did not have a choice. So, like, our, our whole, the whole idea of studying a female body, knowing a female body, that's relatively very new. Yeah, I mean, that was just in the 60s, right? This was in the 70s. 70s. This was 71. Oif. Yeah. So just understanding your body and knowing your body and being able to be curious about it or ask your doctors about it wasn't a thing until the 70s. That's insane. Yeah. So, um, so Casey says we need to be louder, but it's because we're behind, you're behind us. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. We'll, we'll be as loud as possible, which is not normally something someone tells us. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> so Downer and Rothman, they are seen as uh, heroines um, for the feminist movement. They helped women understand their bodies and take their reproductive health in their own hands in a way that had never been afforded to them before. They had never been told, you can look at yourself, right? here's what your body does, this is what your period is. Like, they never got shown this, they never got told this. Um, so after they returned to Los Angeles, the group incorporated as the Feminist Women's Health Center. Um, the FWHC established a woman's abortion referral service. Uh, the cops were always watching and often sent undercover cops into the clinics they opened to try to catch the women um, offering abortion. So they were trying to like get them in there and you know be like, oh well, what's going on? And they'd always they were always very like careful in their wording. Of course, they used menstrual extraction. Do you need a menstrual extraction? When was your last period? You know, those types of questions to kind of field it. Um, and, well, and luckily, men didn't typically know what any of that meant. Well, they would send female <laughs> cops in, obviously. Oh, dang. Yeah. 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 Undercover they female. They were kind of smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, and this is a funny story, uh, kind of. They did get brought into um, court. They did, you know, like, they were arrested. The clinic was raided. Um but the only piece of material they had on them, the only thing that actually seemed, because they were being raided for um, um, practicing medicine without medical licenses, uh, but the only thing that they had actually visually seen was um, one of the women, uh, da, 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 sorry, uh, Colleen Wilson, one of the women that was there helping, helped a woman insert yogurt to try to combat a yeast infection, which... Doesn't work. Don't do that, please. Um, <laughs> it is it is a it is a uh, wives' tale, um, but it was a common house practice, you know, back in the seventies. So that's the only thing that actually ever caught them doing. So they removed from their refrigerator a woman's strawberry yogurt, which was her lunch, and used it as evidence against these women in their abortion clinic. <laughs> and the case became known as the yogurt case. Um, and so, um, yeah, so like they She's were She's like, no, that's my lunch. That's my lunch, guys. Uh, so and they're like, I don't believe you. <laughs> um, so they were found not guilty on any charges um, of practicing medical medicine without a license because they argued that using a home rem remedy on an ordinary ailment is not a medical practice. Putting yogurt in your vagina to stop a yeast infection isn't a medical practice. It's just an old wife's tale and it's a home thing and she's done it for, it doesn't work, don't do it. But they did it. It's like in um, my big fat Greek 
wedding, how they would put Windex on pimples. It's, it's, it's essentially <laughs> that. It's like trying to take you to court for that. Yep. Yeah. So, but my dad said that it works. Yeah. <laughs> so on January, um, on January 22nd, 1973, the Supreme Court legalized abortion in the case of Roe versus Wade. And within 60 days after the decision, Downer helped reopen the Feminist Women's Health Center. And the clinic was the first woman-controlled abortion clinic in the U.S., Los Angeles, California. Um, so, of course, at that time, they got to hire actual doctors. And they weren't only offering abortions. They were offering women's health, which is what these centers offer, which is what's so important. You know, it, it, it shows in studies and it shows in numbers that when women are given the right to their own reproduction and when they're given and afforded the ability to take health care into their own hands, and that includes having the option of abortion, abortion rates go down. It is proven, it is a fact. Taking away those rights, as our lovely Shirley Chisholm says, women have been getting abortions forever. Are they going to have safe legal ones or are they going to have unsafe ones? That is up to you, right? So if you give them the option and you give them the tools and you give them these centers, the rates go down. It is a proven fact. So, but just because it became legal doesn't mean Carol stopped. So Carol continued her activism around women's reproductive rights and unfair laws surrounding them until the seven, er, in through the 70s. In 1974 and 1975, she traveled to several places in Europe and Mexico, um, respectively, to teach self-help techniques to communities beyond the U.S. This woman's cervix has been seen around the world. She has been showing her <laughs> cervix to people for a decade. Look at my vagina. <laughs> right. And just being like, but she said when she saw it, and, you, and if you are more interested in like a really close-up view on her, you should listen to Science Versus, Science versus Abortion Underground because it talks to her directly. And she said, when I saw how simple the mechanics were and how perfect and how wonderful it was, she's like, it was like a light bulb went off. Yeah. Like, I could show women this, and women could understand this for themselves and see themselves. It, it, it comes to mind with me, like, going to my doctor um, and, you know, going to the OBGYN, and she literally at one point was like, oh, your surfix is right here, up and healthy, healthy and happy. And it's just like, it's just right there. It's, yeah. It's not some, like, mythical place. Yeah. It's so close. It's so close. And it's something that, like, you should know about. You should know about your own body. Yeah. And, and women have honestly been told that it's not for them to understand their own body. It's just from the men that will be handling it to understand. Yeah. Um, so in, you're going to really love this. So she went, you know, she's traveled around the world. She taught self-help practices to women around the world about their reproductive rights, about their health. And then from 1987 to 1991, she attended law school and worked for the Federation of FWHC. So 1987, she went to law school. She was born in 1933. Woo! Wow. So it's never too late. This is one thing that, like, I love in my stories. And you know if you listen, yes. then I'm always like, and she was 50. And she was yeah. 60. Because it's never too late. Will we put too much on women to say, like, once you're 30, you're dead. Like, yeah. No. She was born in 33 and went to law school in 87. That's amazing. She still practices law. 
She, um, mostly in the area of disability rights. She's a badass. Um, in 1992, she wrote A Woman's Book of Choices with uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Chalker. Um, she also served on the board of directors of National Abortion Federation. So Downer's book, A Woman's Book of Choices, includes instructions on how to practice early abortions more safely. You can literally read this book online. It, it says, this is, because it shouldn't be this hidden dark cloud. If you understand the actual procedure, if you understand what's actually happening, then it's not going to be this like dark cloud. It's all about education. And so she has a book that literally paints by numbers. This is how you can do this safely in early terms. Um, so she's currently promoting women's liberation, giving speaking presentations, and working on her next book in which she advances the beliefs that women's collective efforts to achieve their sexual and reproductive liber liberation is a fundamentally tragedy for society. I can't talk right now. Um, <laughs> the baby's taking it off. It really does. It, it does. It does. <laughs> I also, I, I was... I know that it would make some people nervous, but I was very adamant about doing a show about abortion while pregnant because I think it's really important that when you choose to reproduce, you stand up for reproduction rights. Sure. So. <laughs> Just because you're, like, pro one thing doesn't mean you're anti well, another thing. But also, like, I'm pregnant, and the shit that my body is going through right now, and the fear, and the just the, the whole whole of it, the idea to force someone to do this unwillingly is slavery. Oh, yeah. It is torture. Yeah. It is wrong. Yeah. You should yeah. never force somebody who is not prepared to give up their entire body to give up their... You oh, don't no. Force, you do not force a corpse to give up their organs. You should not force a living human being to do the same. Oh, for sure. Hands down. For sure. Hands down. I am an adamant pregnant woman. <laughs> <laughs> She's scary right now. Don't do this. Guys, um, she's on she, a rampage, <laughs> right? Uh, so she talks about, and she talks a lot about how, like, holding down women's physical health and not letting them be a part of their physical health is is a form of the patriarchy. Is saying like you are not allowed to know your body, you're not allowed to know your worth, and therefore you don't have these rights. You don't have rights to your own body, and that is that is wrong. Um, so. So she also is working on the board of directors of the Feminist Women's Health Center of California. Uh, this board operates eight women's health uh, specialist clinics. Uh, and then she recently posted a video on YouTube because she might be born in 1933, but she knows technology, technology <laughs> and <laughs> better than us, evidently. It, right. Um, is that easier to hear, you guys? Can you hear it better this way? <laughs> um, but she recently posted a video on YouTube about the history of her foundation and how she taught other women about the, specula, the speculum abortion technique. She's also an immigration lawyer in Los Angeles because she's an all-around badass. So, And just because we definitely want to shout out to other people that helped us out, um, I got my information from Science Versus. Wikipedia, womenshealthspecialist.org, embryoasu.edu, women's health in women's hands, and peoplepill.com. Peoplepill. Peoplepill.com. So, and that is Carol Downer, and I highly suggest you check her out because she is a feminist vigilante and she is a badass. 
Love it. Love it. Uh, let me uh, readjust here for just a mo. Mint. If you didn't hear that very well on our live feed, you should definitely check out. This will be for February's Revolution Rosies because you'll get the full episode. Yeah. There. There you go. You can <laughs> hear it there. Yeah, you'll definitely be able to hear it there. Because it's right here. Right here. This thing works wonders. <laughs> this is how we do our live shows, and it's amazing. And uh, we actually put makeup on and hair yeah. because we're at a place where we have Normally to... we're in pajamas. Yeah, and so slippers. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. And now we have an office space. Oh, my God, we do have an office space. I'm very excited. I've been working on purchasing stuff and getting ready to remodel our office space. Oh, my gosh. So, so that we can have people over and, like, record with them, and they'll be like, oh, my God. This is so nice. Well, and now that we're in this space and there's so much beautiful art, like, mm -hmm. I'm so envious. So if you have art, please send it to us so we can put it in our new office space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, I'm doing something super duper different because... Um, I'm pretty, I'm very excited about this because you know what a nerd I am when it comes to this stuff. Okay, so I didn't do too many, like medical facts because we actually have a medical professional and I was like I don't want to get something Ooh. wrong so I'm just gonna so I'm gonna do like gonna step back like facts and like historical facts and like tips and things because I was like I'm not doing anything medical per se <laughs> because I will mess it up horde so here we go are, are, we are we recording we're recording okay. okay all right so it's called period facts <laughs> period facts Period. And fun fact, right now, I am currently on my period. Good job. What a great syncing up you did. <laughs> I did that on purpose, you guys. <laughs> I was like, let's start the new year off right. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this thing. Um, okay. Are you sliding? I think you're, you're sliding. sliding. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't see it. You're good. You're good. You're okay. good. You're good. You're okay. Good. Guys, this is... Very new for us. Yeah, we've never mm -hmm. done live streaming, so. <laughs> and I don't know that we will anymore. Welcome to being our first. <laughs> yeah. We're okay. not great at being seen. No. Uh, which is weird for us. Yeah. Because we like attention. <laughs> All right. Um, so when did you start your period? How old were you? Um, I was in, I want to say that I was in the seventh grade. Oh, my God. Okay, so that's normal. I was in fourth grade. Yeah, my sister was in fourth or fifth grade yeah very so early I remember I got my first pimple on my face and it was winter and somebody was like uh what is that and I was like it's a mosquito bite <laughs> was like, it's not it's winter um um so I started early my sister started early and I did read a fact that um it's because of uh diet and stress because back in the 1800s they would start at about like 16 and 17 was like an average for for girls uh, to start their periods. And I was like, neat, that's cool, uh, but it's because of diet and stress. And I was like, well, I am a stressed person. Well, also, like, your ovaries fill with eggs while you're inside the uterus. Yes, uh, that was one of my things, too. Uh, oh, I'm so, sorry, I stole no, that from No, 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 you're fine. I know how excited you were about our last conversation. <laughs> And I was like, uh-oh, well, she's going to take that one. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, so, like, cool. I found out because I am having a little girl. Two million um, eggs, by the way. You're yeah, born I, with I've, two million. I know. I know. I know. Two million are in there. I know. I am carrying the future. And I started carrying the future of my, of my genes um, about 
I think it was like 16, 17 weeks. Yeah. Before they even have like uh, any brain cognizant, our uterus is filled with two million eggs. Two million eggs. So you could start your period extremely early. And sadly enough, the youngest recorded pregnancy was eight or nine. Yeah. Well, which is horrible. It makes sense because I, I was nine when I started my period. period. And, and so two million eggs is what you're born with. And by the time you start menstruating, you have about 400,000 left. And you release, I think, oh. about 500, yeah. I think, is what I read. I, I don't know. That's professional yeah. stuff. <laughs> so, but yes, isn't that crazy town? Crazy town. And I think I had a correction in the back about the, the youngest recorded pregnancy. Oh, oh uh, there was a, actually a five-year-old. That's pregnancy. right, five, because that's... And that nobody is, wants to remember that. It's nobody, well, wrong. and I read about it. But every time I go back to it, I'm like, yeah, no, and I've read about it, but they never talk about who did it, no, and don't. that's super upsetting. Yeah. It's recorded as some medical history or some right. medi- medical miracle. It's like not a miracle. No. Somebody did that to that yeah. five-year-old. That's and it not a miracle. Is no. who's saying that's a miracle? Yeah, that's, that's messed up. Yeah, anyway, messed up. Yeah. Um, all right, it's so, something that makes me very, very angry. <laughs> I will uh, begin at the beginning of my notes because there's not really any particular order uh, or rhyme or reason. I just thought these were all really fascinating and stressful Um, (laughs) because I don't like it. Um, I have endometriosis, by the way. You were talking about endometriosis. It sucks. I've had surgeries four times on endometriosis and none Uh, of them are great. But I will tell you, heating pads are the greatest thing that's ever been invented for that particular reason. All right. I think that the person who invented a heating pad obviously had endometriosis. Right. It, who There's no that, other reason. We should look that up because it was probably a woman or somebody that did it based on a woman. I mean, because heating pads are literally lifesavers. I mean, they're the best. Well, and when, you're, when you have um, the surgery for endometriosis, it's called a laparoscopy. And they... I've had a lap. They blow you up, right? And then it goes into your chest and you have to like, oh, press it down like this. Oh, Maybe mine so wasn't good. exactly like that. Mine oh, was, the uh, gas, yep. The gas, yep, real good. I thought, I had a, I thought it was a lap. The thing where they cut off the top layer. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's an ablation, maybe. Did maybe. you have an ablation? But maybe. then you got pregnant. Good for you. I don't yeah. know how that happened, but, you know. Yeah, they just like, just Look like at us. Fairy. There's our heads. You know what? You're good. Keep going. You, okay. You, you're going to be the adjuster. Um, all right. So, um, according to the Association of Repro- Reproductive Health, the average menstruating person has 450 periods in a lifetime, with the average cycle lasting two to seven days. This averages close to... 10 years of menstruating for the average person. 10 years. Oh, that's so much. That's so much. So much. So much menstruation. 10 years. 10 years straight? No, well, 10, close to 10 years in total of an average of menstruating per human menstruator. Okay. Um, so lasting two to seven days on average Unless you're me. So, no, 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 no. I'm saying like 10 years straight. That's like oh, 10 yes. years Close to 10 straight. years. Yes. If yes. you, if you were like, to bleed straight through If you were just to get it all done at once, it would take you a decade. Yes. There we go. And that would, I wouldn't. No. No way. I'd no. run straight into a train, for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> just make me bleed at once. Um, all right. 
so I uh, I read an article on Cosmopolitan.com of all things, um, and they had some surprising info. Okay. Uh, so Cosmopolitan.com says. While you're on your period, your allergies and asthma symptoms worsen because you have a lower than normal lung capacity. That would actually, that, that rings you're, true. You, sense you to me seem like the person that would know this. Well, best. just because during pregnancy, you also have a hormone that's released that causes problems with breathing. Um, I know this from you. Yeah, which is why you <laughs> feel like, even when the baby's not on your lungs, you feel like the baby's on your lungs. See, I don't have I don't have asthma or allergies. I do. So I don't know that one. I haven't been able to breathe for six months straight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The sound of your voice also changes while you're on your period. (laughs) What? Yeah. Do I sound different? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't. I hate my voice. What does it do? My question is like, what does it mean by that? Does it so, like so evidently, your, your hormones impact your vocal cords. So I don't know if that makes it deeper or higher or. or if it just I think it just differs. Fun. You know, we should do an experiment on that. Oh, let's do an experiment. Whoa! Ooh. After the baby's born, obviously, because I can't do that right now. You can't, but I can. <laughs> but I just had surgery with my vocal yeah, cords, absolutely. so I think that's a little different. We've got. Yeah, I think mine's totally different, anyways. Okay, all right. Well. All right, but we'll do it with you when you're done. When I'm done. All right. Baking. Let's do it in, well, you're going to be a little weird for a little bit. Okay, well, when you get back to normal. Guys, remind us in two years. When she's back to normal, guys, (laughs) let's get this show on the road. We're going to do an experiment. Um, Just remind us, because we say lots of things. So, not for little ears, but it doesn't matter. We should talk openly about this anyways. Um, You get hornier. And orgasms during sex make your cramps virtually disappear. Yeah, no, that's a true statement. Do know that. I wouldn't know because guys don't like me at all when I'm on my period. (laughs) Ever. They're like, no, you're the worst. And I get it. I I don't even. Right now, I hate me and I need to go away from me. (laughs) Um, So thank you all for being with me. Um, I What? Are you menstruating live now? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. right now. It it is. I know. I did this on purpose. She's really, she's really good at timing things out for shows. I am an excellent planner. Yeah, really good at timing. My menstrual cycle. Exactly right. I was like, okay, when is this show again? You said the fifth. All right, perfect. Mark that in my calendar. Thanks for being on it this time, body. Um, So, Kotex funded a film by Disney in the 1940s. I heard about this recently because of another female-led podcast, Sawbones. Go ahead. It's one of my favorites. It's a a medical mystery one, and it's a really good one. I hadn't heard this podcast, but the movie itself was called The Story of Menstruation to Teach Youngsters About Their Bodies. Yeah. Disney did something, you guys. Did you know that in the story of menstruation, the blood is white? Well, did you know that in commercials, the blood is blue water? Yeah. It's a real disappointment when you hit menstruation and you're like, this isn't either of those. I was led astray. But don't worry. You spend years learning how to get blood out of things, ladies. I mean, well, and oh, that was another thing that they said, (laughs) and I didn't write it down. 
but most women in your life will have most of their underwear stained with blood. Yeah. Yeah. You have one good pair to wear during sexy season. That is not a surprising fact. That it is, is just a well I know. I didn't even write it down. I was like, well, duh. Duh. <laughs> we all know that. Like, yeah. It's like, is this article for men? <laughs> um, it's like, they should oh, have to read Wow. That. All right. I did not know that. I also, uh, when I was listening to that episode of Sawbones, because I recently did, you know, I was doing my my menstrual uh, 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 like research. research yeah. Sure. And so I went back and I listened to the podcast uh, Sawbones and their menstruation episode, um, and uh, found out that some schools don't make the men watch the women's part, even though all schools make the women watch the men's yep, part. No, so I have didn't. to learn how your penis gets hard, but you don't have to learn how a woman's yep. reproduction health works because we want to be blind about how women's re- yeah. reproduction health works and that's bullshit. Yeah. No, we didn't have to watch, uh, or we had to watch the men's and they didn't have we to. We didn't have to watch the females because it's too, and they call women sensitive. Yeah. And they call women sensitive. Like, well, no, 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 no. We, uh, they, no, no, no. Yeah, we had to watch that and I was like, I still remember that. I still remember watching the little like cut in half penis go upwards. Oh, that's, I don't like that part. That freaks me out. Anyways, that freaks sorry. me out. Why is it kind of? I just want to point out that, like, as women, we have to watch. We have no to wonder we all like true crime. Right? Like, why is it cut in half? <laughs> like, ah. Well, we all like true crime because it typically happens to women, and we know how to get blood out of things, so we're like, we're prepared. Um. All right. Uh, in a book called Everything You Must Know About Tampons by Nancy Friedman. Uh, She states, uh, there was evidence of papyrus tampons being used by Egyptian women in the 15th century BCE, where uh, Roman women uh, wore wool, and Japanese women uh, used paper held in place with a bandage. So there's been tampons for like ever and ever. Ever, ever, ever. Just It's always like credited to World War II for the cotton tampon because they were taking things that were meant for bullet holes. Bullet holes. And using which them was, as tampons. Which was mostly, like, pads, actually. Uh, they did a lot of pads. Uh, like, they did pads over bullet holes, which I read about as well. Because okay. I, was, I was always... I remember the fact that, like... That... Yes. Yeah. It's so, so, so uncomfortable. Like, just any so way to get... Just so things that just, like, shoved there. Yeah. Just so painful. Like, Ooh, anyways. Ah. ah. Your hair looks really cute, by the way. Is it freeing? (laughs) (laughs) And look at yours. Yeah. She had so much. It was like down to here. It's real cute. Real, real cute. Um, All right. Um, Dr. Earl Haas. Dr. Earl Haas uh, patented the first modern tampon. A man. Okay. <laughs> uh, with the common tube and tube cardboard applicator. So, like, the most I, commonly yeah. used. And I'm totally for the applicate, the cardboard and cardboard. I don't like the, like, the just a finger. I like the applicator. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me Vaginal too. Vaginal shots. Yeah, yeah, vaginal shots. <laughs> uh, but he's the one who patented that. But Gertrude Schulte Tinderike bought the patent and called them Tampax. And um, became the head of sales and the spokesperson in 1933, uh, where she hired all women to manufacture the product and um, got nurses to give public lectures on the benefits of the product and the creation. That's awesome. Right? That's really cool. Super cool. Yeah. I thought that was pretty neat myself. No, I think And I was like, well, Gertrude, maybe we should talk about you one day. Yeah, let's take a look at Gertrude. I was like, well, then, Gertrude. Um, All right. 
there is an outstanding article um, in Seventeen.com. Is that you know what though? Women's like the young Kid, women's yeah, magazine. They're killing it. Yeah, killing it. Um, and it's called "What Trans and Non-Binary Menstruators Should Know About Periods," and it's by Cass Bliss. And the article talks about how um, most period education focuses on womanhood and how those who are trans or non-binary feel lost when this happens because they were not educated on how to feel or handle their experience. And I didn't even think about that because I identify as a woman. Right. And so when I hear that, I'm like, okay, womanhood, obviously. But But I don't think about the the other side of things. Yeah. So that's and a awesome. It's good a, job. Yeah. What was that? Seventeen. It's Seventeen magazine. Good job. Seventeen. And magazine. again, uh, I'll post the article too. It's yeah. called "What Trans and Non-Binary Menstruators Should Know About Periods" by Cass Bliss. That's amazing. And, that's um, great. Yeah. So good job them. Yeah. So Cass gives some tips um, regarding menstruation and and transitions, and I wrote down a couple um, to give here, just in case you can't find the article or something. Hey. But. Um, So testosterone doesn't always stop your cycle, and sometimes it becomes super irregular and longer even. Oh, man. So that's something to... That is is definitely something that they should know. Yes, because I I don't know if that's something that is even told or Or even known. Or, you know, you're going through your testosterone treatments and you're like, what is happening to me? Yeah, it's like, "Ah, I thought this would stop or... And as a person, like, going through bodily changes right now you're like why didn't anyone ever tell me about this exactly it's common exactly that's so the tip that they give is um instead of using tampons or pads when you're out and about um is to use like a menstruation cup because they last longer and instead of having to go into men's rooms to change tampons or pads and making sounds or being embarrassed or any of that, menstruation cups last a lot longer and are easier to clean out. And That's a really great tip. Really great tip. That's really So cool. that's an amazing article yeah. because they have gone through it and they have amazing tips. And that's I suggest great. it highly. That's so great. Yeah. Of course, again, not having gone through it, but I found that article to be really straightforward and yeah. really great. That's so awesome. again, cast bliss on 17.com. Um, and then um, I'm nearing the end here, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Planned Parenthood um, yeah. just because right now I'm going through a transition of insurance and things, um, and uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what they do. Um, so that Planned Parenthood, in case you don't know, is a nonprofit organization that provides reproductive health care, cancer screening, sexual education, and regular health screenings. Um, and it helps provide those, to those who don't have the means to get it elsewhere, and it's so Freaking important. It is. Um, So it was started by Margaret Sanger as a birth control center in Brooklyn, New York in 1916 as the American Birth Control League. Um, And they changed... 1916? Yes. Ah, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For Uh, birth control. For birth control. That's awesome. Uh, So they changed to Planned Parenthood in 1942. Um, With obvious anti-abortion activism and violence along with government interference, employees are still dedicated to providing quality service and care to men women and trans and non-binary individuals. Which did you know that they provide service to men? I did. I, I did. only just now recently yeah. uh, learned and that. And that's, that's another thing that, like, there is so much horrible misinformation about Planned Parenthood out there. Yeah. It's horrible because they they are one of the first and one of the most important for trans. Yeah. Um, for, for men, for sexually active people in general. Yeah. And it's 
ridiculous that we try to hold that and like we try to hold that away from people. Yeah. And so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just have a couple more um, things. So uh, the term period actually came around uh, 1822 and was uh, meant to uh, it was meant to mean repeated cycle of events. It's a period of time. It is a period I learned of that time. On sawbones. Sawbones, well. God. Just so let me a, do something, sawbones. It, it is meant to be as a period of time. And they think that um, the period, it's that like a woman's menstruation is how we came up with the lunar calendar. Dang it. Is that another one? No. Oh, okay. But it's a really, like, but that, that's, I mean. I haven't obviously heard that sawbones. <laughs> I know, but I didn't know if that was, but yeah. No. Your period is how they came up with the 28-day cat. Like, they, they started doing the calendar. Because it was the one thing that they could rely on that happened mainly, like, clockwork. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I only have one more thing. Okay, absolutely. And I can tell you for a fact is true. Okay. Periods are heavier and more painful and long, often longer in colder months. Oh, I didn't even know. I It makes perfect sense because hearing it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. But now, that's awesome. Yeah. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, that's not awesome, but that's great information to yes. have. So let's see. Do we have any uh, questions? Or, oh, no. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Hillary. Hi, Eric, if you're I've still watching. I've never called you Hillary in my life. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> Hi, Epo. Hi, Josh, if you're still watching. Hi, Cecily. Hi, Casey, if you're still watching. It looks Thanks, like you only got two watches, but hi. And hi. hi, everybody else. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, we appreciate you all listening, and I hope that you uh, learned something, and we hope we gave some good tips. and Some um, good information got you thinking, yeah. and maybe you want to look up some more information about some of the people we talk about and some of the information. Yes. So. Smear lipstick. And raise hell. Bye. Bye. This episode was researched, written, and produced by Vivian Vega and Betty LaRue. Our intro and outro was written and performed by our very own Vivian Vega with her band Electro Cult Circus. Our logo is by Amanda Braskett. If you're more of a visual person, head over to our YouTube for the video of this episode. You can also check out images to go along with each episode and added bonuses by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Revolution Rosies. You can send us your art, your inspirational women, and stories about amazing things you have done to revolutionrosies at gmail.com or on our website at revolutionrosies.com. Revolution Rosies is a member of the Loudcat Podcast Network. Loudcat.